Welcome, I'm Ryan Hicks, and this is Modern Business, the podcast to learn from franchise business leaders and explore new business technology. Our community is about sharing knowledge and tools that help us achieve our goals in business and beyond. Thanks for being here, and welcome to Modern Business. Welcome back, everybody, to Modern Business Podcast. Uh, Thank you guys all so much for joining us. Uh, I have a really awesome episode today for you guys. Um, I know that Ryan and I have been talking back and forth about uh, getting this brand on for a long time. And you know what? Sometimes in life, you just kind of need to take the plunge and just cold email or LinkedIn message somebody, and sometimes they're going to respond. And I got pretty lucky uh, to have this next gentleman on the phone with us for a brand that I have always uh, loved a lot. So really excited to um, talk a little bit about um, the, our next guest today. Um, before we get into that, guys, uh, again, I do want to remind everybody uh, we are running our franchise, uh, our, you know, our franchise influencer series through Springboard. Um, so please go and check those out there every Thursday. Uh, that's 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern. And then we are also, of course, uh, running Franchise Springboard through franchisors.com. So if you have been uh, displaced because of COVID-19 due to furlough or layoff, please go and check out um, check that out on uh, Franchise Switchboard just to learn a little bit more about some folks who um, have actually put their resumes up there and then also uh, some companies that have actually put um, their job listings up there too. So please go and check that out. That is, of course, absolutely free of charge. Uh, we're just really trying to get back to the franchise community and Ryan and I worked really hard with uh, Lane and Lane and, and my father and then also uh, Crystal Lozama who actually use that to get a job with Massage Heights. So congratulations to her. But uh, really excited to have our next guest on the podcast, everybody. Um, as I said, really near and dear to me. Um, it's uh, it's definitely a really awesome story. So I'm really excited to have uh, the ne- this next guest on. I have uh, the CEO of School of Rock, uh, Mr. Rob Price on the phone. Rob, thanks for joining us. Hey, Zach. Great to be with you. Well, really excited to have you on. As as I have said multiple times, uh, really love the story that you guys have, and you have a unique perspective because you, of course, were you know an executive throughout franchising before School of Rock. So something really must have drawn you to it. So I'd love to dig into for like the three people who haven't seen the movie or don't really know a lot about what School of Rock does. If you could just kind of talk very briefly about that, and then um, get into really how you found the company and what really drew you. Um, to really become the CEO uh, of this really awesome concept. Sure. Uh, and in some respects, you know, for those who have seen the movie, the founding story may be even more important uh, uh, to understand timelines, et cetera. So uh, School of Rock mm-hmm. was founded in 1998, actually well before uh, the Jack Black Paramount movie was made. And uh, there's uh, some fairly strong uh, mythology. I don't know if it's a myth or it's true, or uh, but there's there's a lot of uh, <laughs> there's a lot of uh, evidence that the um, uh, the character in the Jack Black movie was based on uh, our, our founder, who had uh, similar passion and energy and um, and uh, mania about uh, teaching kids uh, and changing lives through rock and roll. So. Um, we're proud to say we predated the movie, we predated the Broadway show, uh, and what we do is in some ways a lot more serious in terms of its mm-hmm. objectives than what's captured in that movie, uh, but the spirit of, uh, of our brand is certainly reinforced, and we're good friends with the people of Paramount and Andrew Lloyd Webber, uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber's company now. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I'd love to kind of dig in a little bit into how, what really drew you to the brand, because I think that as an executive that really has been um, around franchising, obviously most recently over with uh, Tariq Fareed at Edible, um, I'd love to just hear a little bit about what really drew you um, to become the CEO of School of Rock and, you know, what you saw as something, um, you know, important that you really wanted to continue on with or enhance. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that what I what I saw in School of Rock was um, a combination of attributes in franchising, which is quite quite rare. Uh, mm-hmm. The first is that it's a you know a very deeply purpose driven organization that draws together people with uh, an immediate affinity for each other. So it's not just that there's a common interest in making money. Uh, there's, uh, which is all too frequently the, um, the underlying, um, uh, component of the federation of a given franchise for us, it's about changing lives and about, uh, developing an art form. And, uh, the good news is that that creates the opportunity for, uh, uh, for wealth building and for financial success. Uh, so f- first and foremost was it was a purpose-driven brand and a brand that I identified with. I'm a musician. I have three musical kids. Um, and, you know, having seen up close the way that music change, changes lives, I had a very personal affinity for it. The second is that the, our franchising model is a little different than many others. And uh, having been exposed to franchising, this was a uh, a, b- before this was a, a, a model that um, sort of met my uh, sense of a kind of my ideological principles, which is mm-hmm. that uh, we we do not make money in 16 different ways from our franchisees. You know, mm-hmm. our objective is to uh, that uh, to drive top line uh, for our franchisees uh, through an extraordinary combination of curriculum and marketing and operational support and, um, and, uh, collaboration amongst franchisees. And if they succeed, we succeed. Uh, so we don't sell them services. We don't, uh, we don't monetize other dimensions and I'm not begrudging that, uh, that economic model, but for me, it, it allows me to be clearer um, and more unambiguous in regards to the areas of focus, and it allows me to be very transparent and 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 uh, and, um, and uh, collaborative with franchisees. And the, the third dimension which drew me is I just think you know I knew at the time, or I had strong hunches at the time, and I now know for sure the concept was extraordinarily differentiated. So there was a deep history in building uh, a method of teaching music that um, is really revolutionary. And, uh, and there, was a certain, there was a scale, a global scale, uh, and a scale of infrastructure that made it very hard for others to catch up. So there are some other players in the space. There are some other players even in the franchising space. Um, but I think that it's we have a very, very, very deep moat around our business from a curriculum standpoint, from a uh, from a uh, operation support standpoint, from an IP standpoint, and the footprint standpoint. 
So those reasons were what drew me uh, to School of Rock. And I, I feel even more strongly about those dimensions today um, than, than I did at the time. No, I, I love that. I think it's always really interesting for us here um, when we're actually interviewing CEOs of companies that weren't the founders, but were at other brands before and um, ended up at a brand. It's always really interesting to hear their thought process behind that. Number one, because I don't think that people normally divulge that as honestly as you just did. And I think that number two, um, it's just helpful for, I think, even the people who were a part of School of Rock before you got there, just to hear what your methodology was, which I think is I'm always really interesting to ask. So I appreciate you going through that because I think that, you know, going inside the head of somebody who really wants to lead the charge for the company into a new chapter, I think is a really always an interesting perception to get. So um, yeah, what yeah, I want to go towards now. In fact, there's really no secrets there either. I think the good news with a franchisee candidate is they can actually look at an FDD and they can assess various mm -hmm. franchise opportunities on these dimensions very plainly. And mm -hmm. so um, it's not it's not really inside baseball. Um, I think it really is a matter of just matching with concepts that fit with your principles. Yeah, without question, without question. I think it's always just it's such an interesting perception that we don't often get out of a CEO. So I appreciate you talking about it because I think that sometimes, um, you know, sometimes people are more willing to talk about it than others. And in this case, it certainly seems like you were. So I appreciate it because it's always one of my favorite questions to ask just to kind of get inside the head um, of, a, of, an, of a big executive such as you. And so um, what, what I do want to get it a little bit more um, towards is obviously the COVID side of things. And I know this is not going to come as a surprise to you, but I am kind of curious to hear, um, considering that what you guys do is so hands-on and it requires you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of human connection because that's really what music does, right? Is that human connection um, is brought mostly through music. Music is a really main source of how, you know, I connect with a lot of different people in my life. And so I love to kind of hear how you guys see um, yourselves being positioned um, as the pandemic begins to kind of go to a different phase as things start to open up again and we're more living with it instead of living in fear of it a little bit. Just kind of curious to hear how you guys are adjusting um, to that and what you guys are kind of what you do, what you guys are really doing to change how you've operated before. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we like I think everyone, we had um, a momentary uh, seizure of panic uh, as uh, as the, the magnitude of the covid crisis emerged. Um, but, you know, one of the, the amazing dimensions of School of Rock, the, the, the brand is the School of Rock community. And we have a very open and uh, vibrant and transparent uh, 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 dialogue amongst a really, really sophisticated group of franchisees. People have done a lot of very interesting things in their lives. And uh, so they bring to it a lot of great questions, a lot of great ideas, and a certain energy that comes from having already navigated through crises before. So with mm -hmm. that wind behind our sales, uh, we very, very quickly went to problem-solving mode, and we said, okay, well, let's, let's see. On the one hand, our source of differentiation is teaching music through in-person learning, through group, group study, song-first, performance-based music education. Uh, mm -hmm. On that dimension, boy, this seems like we've got a big problem. 
But then I, as a community, we said, you know what, the, the, um, we actually have a couple of other really important sources of advantage. One is the relationships um, uh, between our teachers and our students. Uh, two is uh, the uh, fact that we had relaunched our curriculum, including a really, really proprietary app uh, that um, in some respects seems like it was designed for COVID um, in terms of its interactive content, in terms of its pedagogy, in terms of its uh, remote capabilities. And um, I think the third thing is, that was an advantage is that there were actually more students available to us now than ever before. Uh, because the moment you go remote, you are not bounded by uh, time mm -hmm. or space or geography or the four walls. And we could commit an enormous amount of time to, um, you know, additional customer acquisition or just being more convenient for our existing students. So with those three things in mind, we launched very rapidly a remote program where we could keep the music going. And of course, you know, the first mission was to make sure we had individual instruction remotely. We did that. Mm -hmm. uh, but we complemented that with things that in some ways you can really only do well um, digitally. We did master classes uh, at each of our schools. We had artist sessions. We did um, uh, virtual trivia nights. We did parents' meetings. And our rehearsals became virtual ones. And while they had some limitations in regards to performing together, they had very, very important roles to play in terms of sustaining um, the, our students' kind of emotional well-being. And for us, one of the things that has allowed us and even forced us to be so focused on finding a solution in a world that required us to go digital or virtual was that mm -hmm. well before COVID came along, we were already battling a pandemic, which was um, uh, anxiety, depression, teenage suicide. We were already mm -hmm. on the front lines of that with our students largely being in that demographic. And, you know, the reason we solved this is we had to solve it. It was, it was not just a business imperative, but from our perspective, a moral imperative. And uh, we've been very blessed. We've retained the majority of our students and the majority of our revenue. Um, and uh, we're excited about reopening. Uh, that having been said, we've discovered a whole new set of tools and a whole new set of capabilities that we actually think will position us to be even stronger when we come out of this because we're going to keep many of these services and these, uh, these new modalities of teaching. Um, which we think is going to make much uh, more flexibility for our franchisees and for our students. I love that. I think that that was actually going to be my next question was about, you know, if, you, if you're actually going to keep any of these things in rotation when things begin to prioritize more towards going towards being in person, right? And I think that yeah, that's I'll really give you, I'll, I'll give you a, a, a small example which is that often during the summer, uh, at least the, uh, the, uh, in, in, in the U.S., uh, in Canada, North America, we, you know, many of our students would go to camp or they go on vacation or 
they their the 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 nature of their um, schedule changes, etc., and it would end up disrupting their ability to maintain music in their life for a summer, and that's a real setback. It's a setback from a proficiency standpoint, from a continuity standpoint, and um, you know now we have much less uh, risk of that because we can every summer or every spring break or winter break or the day where kids got the sniffles. Uh, not not too sick to 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 have a piano lesson, but perhaps too sick to come into the school. Um, we think it's going to be a game changer for us, and then I think it's also for us reaffirmed the incredible power of our proprietary curriculum, uh, which is patent pending right now. So we're we're feeling very very optimistic about what we've learned through this in terms of our long-term prospects. Wow. It's incredibly interesting to hear that you guys were able to retain every, I mean, you know, a very, very vast majority of your, of your clients, number one, but really number two is that you guys were really able to um, adapt in such a way where you basically found a completely new avenue to be more inclusive to children that, are either too sick or maybe they just, for some reason or another, they cannot make it in person, but that does not necessarily mean they don't have access to your patent pending curriculum that you guys have, which I think is yeah. um, such an important way to think about it coming out of this. Cause most people weren't able to do that. And not just kids, you know, adults too. We teach a lot of adults. Um, I'm an adult student at school of rock. I, I actually, when I came to school of rock, I was a really, really, uh, comfortable keyboard player and uh, and and a, and a very confident vocalist. But I was a terrible guitar player, um, and now I'm just a you know I've moved from being terrible to being pretty good, and uh, and the remote has helped me tremendously because and I'll continue to take advantage of it because I have to travel a lot and I hate to miss my lesson with uh, with my teacher at, uh, at School of Rock so. I'm a uh, I'm a case study myself in the power of remote. I love that. I love that. I mean, I uh, I, I think that that's pretty cool, especially when the when the CEO of a company actually engages in the in the service himself, and it's not a food or or it's fitness. It's like something that really requires a lot of time and dedication. I think that that really is a testament to you know what you guys are accomplishing over there. So that's really that's really interesting to hear, and so. You know, I, I am kind of curious um, if we could dig in a little bit more into the technology piece of things. Um, and it may be technology, maybe something that the proprietary side of what you guys are establishing with the curriculum. Would you mind talking a little bit more about the tech side of your business and how it's making you guys more efficient or it's helping you guys to, you know, to do your job better? And, you know, how how does the curriculum really make that difference as well? I am a little curious about that, too, because I know that that's such a large part of what you guys are all about. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll sort of break it into two. My answer is two pieces. One is it relates to really our business systems. We've we've made a, a decision. I inherited a, a pre-existing decision and I have doubled down on it. Uh, that, that we made a, a decision that we were going to build around cloud-based systems and best-in-class third-party solutions. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, 
after 30 years in business and comparing proprietary systems and considering uh, and, and comparing that with third-party systems, there are merits to both from different kinds of situations. My feeling mm-hmm. is, given our size, which is big but not, not uh, you know, uh, a gargantuan, we will never be in a position to uh, create um, uh, a proprietary technology on almost any dimension of our business that is going to be better than the best-in-class third-party solution. Um, now, there's always accommodation required, and there's always going to be wires, wiring that needs to be created, but most third-party business systems um, are now so elegantly designed with APIs and, and anticipating the needs for modularity that we've mm-hmm. found that, uh, you know, uh, that, uh, you know, having G Suite for our for our uh, 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 you know is a lot better than building G Suite, um, mm-hmm. and um, and we will never outpace Google in regards to their abilities. And you know, nobody some can. Be con- <laughs> no, and so and, and some might be concerned and say, well, you lose your sovereignty if you do so. And I think you do to some extent, but it depends on your timeline. The reality is that. Over time, you can migrate to new third-party systems, and we're very honest with all of our vendors that we're always looking at alternatives. And we found that the price value and the flexibility and the adaptability is really great. Uh, uh, Now, that having been said, when it came to our own curriculum, um, the truth is that the technology components of our curriculum um, uh, did require tapping in and establishing an exclusive relationship or proprietary relationship with an existing player who had a, 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 a particularly unique um, dimension uh, for the mobile app that was critical for us in terms of interactivity and in terms of the ability for the app to do uh, be responsive to the student on some of the pedagogical components. But, um, mm-hmm. but uh the uh, uh, the what I, what I will say is that uh, e- even there we identify we built on top of an existing technology as opposed to starting from scratch. Now, my feeling might be different when we're a thousand schools. Um, there may be dimensions that we can customize to a greater extent, but I think our ability to scale and our ability to concentrate investments in other really critical areas. So instead of investing in new technology on the curriculum, we actually invested the man hours and the woman hours in formulating the actual content. And that's really expensive Mm -hmm. and really time consuming. So I'm happy to let Gmail, to to, to let Google and Brand Connect and and Okta and uh, HubSpot and all of these great vendor partners we have to invest their CapEx in keeping the platforms current. Um, now, that having been said, you know, that c- aligns with my philosophy that I'm not looking to make money on technology services from our franchisees. Other franchises have a very different view, and again, I respect that view. It's just that's not how we want to um, – that's not how we want to focus our profit model. 
I, I can understand that. I think that it really depends on the industry for me personally. I think that there are some industries where it might make a little bit more sense. But for you guys, I think that the way that you have it set up, in my opinion, makes a ton of sense. And I think that the way that you guys are able to use those third party, those third party services while also, you know, melding together all of the fresh content that you guys are constantly refreshing, coming out with new and exciting ways for really anybody of all ages to get access and to really fulfill their dream of getting more involved in music, whether it's songwriting, whether it's playing an instrument or anything in between, um, that is a testament to what you guys do. And I've always loved the way that you guys have carried yourselves. So I think that that, um, that's especially great to hear, um, from you, from, from you certainly. So, I mean, I'm happy, I'm happy to hear that personally. And what I really want to dig into last but not least, and I always like asking this question, it's not as fun to ask this question to people who don't actually lead the company on a day-to-day basis like you do. Um, but I am kind of curious, you know, when, as COVID um, kind of came to fruition and things started to really um, take a take a downturn a little bit, a lot of people kind of said, well, all of our plans are out the window for 2020. Um, but I am curious, it depends on the brand, of course. And so I, I do want to ask you, um, do you, did any of your plans really change and did they evolve and you guys had new goals coming out of this that you didn't know that you would have when the, you start, when the year started, you know, what, um, what are your really your major plans for 2020 now that this in crazy global event has taken place and it is really is taking place, you know, what, um, what has changed, I suppose, in terms of what goals you guys have for the year? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I would say that, uh, to the extent that your goals in the middle of the year because of a uh, surprise circumstance change, they probably weren't the right goals in the first place. It implies that they weren't, mm. uh, you know, that now that having been said, I think that all of the, um, uh, all of our goals had to be reprioritized, the timing, the investments, etc. So we had to put an enormous amount of investment in building the curriculum and the operations strategy to meet what COVID threw at us. And then also to design that in a way where it will outlast COVID and, uh, or at least work uh, with, uh, to the extent COVID's with us for a long time, that it has, mm-hmm. it, it too has long legs and a lot of, um, a lot of flexibility. Um, but there were other initiatives, such as launching our songwriting initiative, which we just announced uh, this week. Um, our uh, the um, the uh, upgrading of our CRM capabilities in partnership with HubSpot, um, in implementing financial planning software, um, uh, training redesign. Uh, upgrades of some some of our other uh, offerings, uh, safety initiatives that we won't budge on. We're we're continuing to focus on those as if nothing had happened, because mm-hmm. if they were important six months ago or a year ago when we sat in strategic planning there, uh, because we decided to build a hundred year brand. We don't want to push them off. There are other programmatic dimensions, new program launches that we may delay just because we had to put all those same resources on building remote. But the lucky strike extra there is now now we have remote. So we do have Mm -hmm. uh, an extra set of um, capabilities and assets that we can bring to the future. 
I love that. I think that that's uh, that's definitely encouraging to hear when I'm hearing, you know, executives of of brands that I as I've been kind of doing this segment uh, and really just trying to understand, you know, what is going on in franchising. It is always really encouraging to hear the leader of a brand, especially of the size that you guys have and, and the scale that you have across the country that, you know, you have positive goals in place and things um, are um, starting to get back, you know, get back to normal or as normal as possible really. And, you know, you guys are still looking forward, trying to make, trying to ensure that the brand is, I like the way that you put it in a hundred year brand. So um, I'm really excited personally to see where you guys go and how you grow and, you know, what role you play a role, what role you play in that, because I, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what the future holds for you guys. And I really appreciate you um, hopping on and joining us today. Very good. Well, I hope my role continues to be a CEO, but I'm also happy to be the the, the uh, rhythm guitar player as my skills improve. So uh, <laughs> anyway, great to talk with you, Zach, and, and uh, look forward to catching up with you again. Absolutely. Well, everybody, thank you guys so much for, uh, for joining us once again for this really awesome episode. Um, please uh, stay tuned for more episodes that we have here on Modern Business. Uh, go and subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts. And if you guys have any questions about how to do that, of course, um, as I always say, Ryan and I are your resident millennials. So please uh, just shoot us a message uh, on LinkedIn, email, text message, call, smoke signal, whatever you want. And uh, we are happy to help you do that. Thanks so much and have a good rest of your day.